0: the glory of God 15 new lives that are changing their lives for the Lord but I want to piggyback off Wednesday if you didn't get a chance to hear Wednesday if you weren't here uh, first of all I encourage you to try to make Wednesdays you know Ashley said in that video she said it real clearly we came every time the doors were open you know, when you're radical for the devil and you're partying and you're a party animal, as Pastor Dylan said, and you're doing those things, you go all in. You, you, just, you just head over heels, go into your crazy lifestyle, and when you get saved, it shouldn't change. It should just be for God. So every time the doors are open, get here, and Wednesday nights is a totally different message it's praise and worship, it's altar call, we have time to pray, and God does amazing things. So if you haven't made Wednesday night a part of your life yet, I encourage you to start. Amen? But if you didn't hear that message, you can listen to it on the podcast or go back and listen on YouTube. But I want to talk this morning about something I think is life-changing. Because how many know, as Jesse was going through those struggles, and as you look at Ashley and Dylan and the struggles they were going through, today we see that video, we see the finished product, we see the nice dress, we see the nice room, we see the pretty, hear the pretty music. We see that beautiful church that we've been a part of and have been able to plant. But you know those moments when he called me and asked me about drinking from the bar, The moments when Elena tells me, I don't know if our family can change. The moments that Jesse's thinking, am I ever going to be able to come out of this? And all the moments you're going through are called trials and tribulations. And we have struggles in our lives. We live in a real world. How many know we live in a real world this morning with real problems? And we have a real enemy that wants to destroy us. And so Sunday or Wednesday, I talked about having trials and tribulations and the way we look at them. And today I want to put this up and and give you this thought. Are you letting the trials and tribulations make you bitter? Or are you you letting them make you better? Because here's a fact. You're going to have troubles. And a lot of times we think when we come into church and we give our lives to the Lord and we change and we begin to change and we start Living different, and we start making decisions. We somehow—I don't know where it comes from—probably the devil. We somehow think that now life's going to be easy, and we're going to be on the follow the yellow brick road of Wizard Oz to heaven, and we're never going to have any problems. But how many know that even in the Wizard of Oz, there was lions and bears and tigers? Oh my, Amen. And there, there were still struggles and there were still problems. So when we get saved, as a matter of fact, Jesus actually says. That when you get saved, you have to pick up a cross and carry it. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say that life's going to be easy. But the thing that I learned that helped me so much was, with or without God, there's problems. So how about doing it with God? Amen? is not that sound like a wise thing to do? If you're, if you're, if you're in letting God be in control, or you're not letting God be in control, you're still going to have problems. The Bible says in Matthew that the rain falls on the just and the unjust meaning we're in a imperfect world and and good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and what we cannot do is go to hell over a mystery how many would agree with me this morning that there are some things in life we do not understand they don't make sense I mentioned Wednesday, and I'll mention it again. I didn't mention it in the first service, that my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are here from Costa Rica. They surprised us on Thursday. It was a great surprise. He's the one I've mentioned in the past that was an atheist, came here and got saved just by watching the way Carl and I lived our lives, and now he's a pastor. Amen? What a miracle. But we were talking with them, and just a couple weeks ago in their church, a young lady at 28 or 29 years old gave birth to a beautiful son and the next day she passed away from, the, from complications of the birth. How do you explain that to somebody? And he has to deal as a pastor with those sisters who are raised in church and believe in God, but now their faith in God has been shook. Now the God that they believe in is in question because now this sister is gone, and they don't understand how God can be involved in a woman losing her life after she gave birth to a baby and a husband raising her, their child by, them, by himself. How is God in that? And so you can ask questions all you want, but the truth is, if you don't get a grip on the questions and you don't let God begin to speak to you, you could go to hell over a mystery and over something you may never get the answer to. There are going to be problems in your life that you are not going to understand and the quicker, I just want to let you know, is, is, if you want to get something out of this message, the quicker you understand that life has problems, and the quicker you understand that God can get you through, the better your life's going to be. We, we, we hear the old saying, when you get lemons, you make lemonade out of them. Right? Because right? you're going to get lemons. You're going to have problems in your life. You're going to have situations. So it's all about, am I, am I going to let this situation right now make me bitter, or am I going to get better? How about this one? Many years ago, my wife and I had been married just a couple of years. She never met this man personally, but she knew that I talked about him a lot. And especially even later on in our years as missionaries in Costa Rica. But I grew up in a church where a missionary like myself would come and preach to our church. And his name was Richard Jeffries. And he had a gift of God to plant churches. He's somebody I admire, and I want to see God do that in my life. This man planted 122 churches in Central America. In Central America, all throughout Central America. And Carla and I personally saw and even attended churches in Costa Rica that he planted. He lived a life totally under God his entire life. I won't go into too many other things about his life, but as he got older, he was driving in his late 80s with his wife on a trip, and they got in a horrible car accident. And she lived, and he died. But not only did he die, this man of God missionary was totally dismembered in the accident. He, I'm not trying to be gross, but he had body parts all over the place. How do you explain how God lets a man of God like that die in an accident like that? See, what we could do is we could look at how he died and take away all the stuff that God, God did for his life and all the stuff he did for God because of an accident. God wants us to focus this morning on the situation and understand that there are going to be things. Let's just be real. There's going to be things in life we don't understand. But, how many know you cannot control a lot of things that happen to you, but you can control how you react? How many are here this morning? Are you, are you getting this? You cannot control how things happen. There are lots and lots of things out of your control. And for all of you control freaks, let go. Amen. There are just some things you've just got to let go of and let them happen because you can't do anything about it. But you can do something about how you act when it happens, how you react when it happens, and whether or not you let it let you get bitter. Or you get better. Now, some of you are going, maybe you've never even heard a message from the Bible and you're going, better, come on, what are you you talking about? How can better come out of something? How can I get better going through a situation? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Hebrews chapter 12, watch this. Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. First and foremost, we need to understand how amazing God's grace is. God's grace this morning is that you're here, that you're breathing. Everything you have, some of you think, man, I've made myself, I've got this job I have, I've made my money, I've whatever, but you have not done anything on your own power. Everything you have is by the grace of God, meaning you don't deserve it, but you have it. Life itself, the fact that you woke up this morning. So we should not fall short. In, in other words, he's saying, don't let anything, anyone think that they have anything outside of me. And it says, Lest any root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. So here's the thing. We're going to have situations that are trials and tribulations. We're going to have Tito sisters that are sick. Amen. We're going to have family members that die. We're going to have people who get cancer. We're gonna have people who die in horrendous, horrendous deaths that don't. We're gonna have stuff all the time. Does anybody realize that's the world we live in? There, it's there. It's it's what it is. But God is saying, don't let a root of bitterness come up into your life that's going to destroy you. You cannot control the situation, but you can control how you handle it. And I'm going to show you that in the Word this morning. And it says, and by this many have become defiled. How many people have lost their faith? That sister. Of the woman who passed away, who is in glory today, who is in heaven today, who is where we all want to be and is not mad at all, is just just enjoying eternity now, while the sister possibly is going to miss out on heaven because she's mad at God because she doesn't understand. Let me ask you a question. Is her being mad at God going to bring her sister back? Nope. Us getting mad at God might make us feel better, but it's not going to change the situation. And, and, and us being mad at God for very long is not going to help us at all because a root of bitterness is going to come in. But here's a crazy thought. What if we could look at life situations differently, like the Bible says, and begin to look at a situation that seems bad and start to look at it in a way that he could turn it around for good? He could, he could turn something negative into a positive again, we see that end result today of Ashley and Dylan in there. But see, they had three kids. Do you see those three beautiful kids? Three gorgeous, beautiful kids. They're like kids to us. Every time I see that, I get choked up. But you know what? We didn't see in that video when they were in the bar. We didn't see in that video when when they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you can't have kids. We didn't see in that video the final product We didn't see them crying and weeping and and crying out to God and saying, why can't we? We didn't see any of that. But that's part of life. But how many understand this morning that that video and Jesse's video and the end result is what all of us are going through right now. And we're writing our story right now. We're writing our testimony right now. God is doing something powerful in our lives right now that eventually is going to be something beautiful. But it's going to take a test first before you get the testimony. You're not going to have the testimony unless you have the test. But here's the crazy thing. A lot of times we go, I don't really want to have the test. But God shows us something interesting in His Word. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. How we react to trials and tribulations is vital to the part of our walk with God. How we react. Because God is watching. Amen? How many know God is watching? He's not just watching the wrong or right that we do. He's watching how we act when we get bad news. He's watching how we react when something happens that's not the way we want it to go. Now look at James chapter 1. I, I, I'm going to take, take just a couple verses here from Wednesday so that anybody that wasn't here doesn't miss out on these two very important verses. Dear brothers and sisters, now this is interesting. When troubles of any kind come your way. Notice it does not say if. See, if is conditional, like something could happen to keep it from happening. He didn't say if you have troubles. He said when. What does that mean? You're going to have troubles. That's why I like the Bible, because he's real straight and up front with us, and he doesn't, he, we do this, but he doesn't. He doesn't pull any punches. Matter of fact, on Wednesday, we mentioned a verse from Psalms that says this, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. Okay? So what God is wanting us to understand here this morning is we're going to have problems, we're going to have trials, we're going to have tribulations, but we can get through them in a certain way that brings glory to Him. So when you have troubles of any kind and they come your way, watch this. This is crazy. It says, Consider it an opportunity not just to grow, consider an opportunity for not just joy, for great joy. How crazy is that? Are y'all still here? I know that might have just like lost some of you right there. He is saying, when troubles come, don't get upset and go, why me? What did I do wrong? Now, obviously, we know we can do some things wrong that can cause problems, but we're talking about here doing right, because some of you in here have been living your life for God. You, you pay your tithes. You go to church. You pray. You read your Bible. You witness. You tell people about God. You love your neighbor. You're checking off all the boxes, and your heart is pure, yet bad things still happen to you. And you're wondering, God, what did I do wrong? And you're looking at God Wrong. Because God never said in his word when you did something wrong is when you get have trials and tribulations. He said many are the afflictions of the righteous. Because we're in a real world. There's going to be a day someday that we all have to look forward to where we're not going to have trials and tribulations. It's heaven. How many know if we had heaven here, we wouldn't have to look forward to heaven? Some people, somehow, some way, think this is heaven. And some people somehow think this is hell. Well, it's neither one. Now, you can see some pictures and some glimpses of both of them sometimes. This isn't heaven or hell. There's a hell that's separated from God, and there's a heaven that's with God, and it's a place that we're looking to go to, but we're not there yet. And so we're going to have some trials and some tribulations. Watch what it goes on to say. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Tell the person next to you, let it grow. Let it grow. Not let it go. Let it grow. And then it says, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many would like to get to that place? Perfect and complete, needing nothing. He's not talking about how much money is in your bank account or how many cars or houses you have, or anything financial or anything material. What he's saying is, I want you to get to a place where no matter what you're going through, you love me unconditionally like I love you. That we have a relationship that's not based on what have you done for me lately. I love God no matter what. You love God no matter what. I love God in the good, and I love God in the difficult. So I want to help you this morning. I believe this is one of those messages that will take you a long ways. If you can get this perspective in your mind and begin to look at trials differently and look at them as an opportunity to brag on God, to show how powerful God is instead of an opportunity to wonder what you did wrong or what you didn't do right and look at it different, God will do something amazing. Now, how many in here would like to please God? Let me see your hand. You want to please God. At the end of the day, that's all you want is God to be happy with you. I can tell you how. Hebrews 11, verse 6. You have to have faith. Now, when you get bad news, the doctor says you've got a, a problem, or, or your family member's dying, or, or, or you have a bill that's unsurmountable, or, or whatever it is in your life, or your marriage is in trouble and, and struggling, whatever it is, you get that bad news. How many know to defeat that, you have to have faith? You have to have faith. Lots of people don't have faith for their marriage. Lots of people don't have faith for their finances. They don't have faith that God can heal them. And, and listen, it is not our job. Listen, it's not our job to be God. It's too many people try to be God. Was well, God going to heal? Can God do this? Can, we just need to believe God can do it and then let God be God. There's never a person we, don't, we pray for that we don't believe they can't be healed. There's never a, a marriage that we look at we think that, that can't be restored. God can do anything. But God says, and it is impossible to please me without faith. So if you want to please me, God says, I need you to express faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists. And watch this, that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. You know what that means? That means you seek Him when things are bad and you seek Him when things are good. And you seek Him when things are good, and you seek Him when things are bad. Are you getting that? How many would like to get to a place in your life that if we were to look at maybe a, a barometer or a measure, measurement of your worship, and as we looked at your life situations, we watched your worship, I want to live a life where my worship stays the same in the good and the bad. How many have ever seen in the hospital on the machine, you see the, li- the flat line? I want my worship to be that flat line. Not meaning death, but meaning straight. And then you got your ups and downs. And the- down in the valley, up, good, bad. But I want my worship to stay the same. I want someone to be able to look at my life and not know if I'm having a great day or I'm having a bad day. Because I look the same because my God's the same. And my God is bigger than what I'm facing. Amen? And he can take me out of what I'm facing. And he's doing something in me while I'm facing it. Because I'm looking at it as an opportunity. Now let's go to Job chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses here. And this is going to be the message. I mentioned Job a lot. I've told you to read it. I've told you before and I'm going to say it again. If you think you're having a bad day, if you ever think you're having a bad day, go read Job. I, I challenge you. And we're going to read a little bit right here and you'll see what I'm talking about. Let's pick it up in verse 13 of chapter 1. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. And when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants, indeed they have, uh, sorry, with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you about it. While he was still speaking... Another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Look at the person next to you and say, that's a bad day and it's not e- it's not even lunchtime yet and while he was still speaking another one came and said your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house and suddenly a great wind came across and fell on the young people and they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you that's a bad day amen i've never met anybody who's had a day that bad and that's why it's in the bible so we can go look at it and we can learn from it. Okay? You know what this means? No matter what you're facing, and it doesn't mean you're not facing something difficult. Someone has it worse. Somebody has it worse. It, no matter how sick you are, someone's more sick. No matter how broke you are, someone's more broker. I love being in Texas. You can just get away with any kind of English. Amen. Someone's poor, someone's sicker, someone's more depressed. Someone's got it worse. That's a fact. if we would just think about that, I don't have the worst life in the world. I don't have the worst situation in the world. But I have a God who's doing something in me right now. I have a God who's working in me right now, and he's working in this situation. And if I could begin to live my life in a way where I say, God, I want you to get glory in everything I go through. I want your name to be lifted up. I want your name to be exalted. Watch what Job did when he heard the news. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. This is a moment of mourning. It is okay for you to mourn. It is okay for you to be upset. It is okay for you to question God. It is okay for you to say, God, I don't understand. It's okay for you to do those things. But let me listen to me closely. Get over that fast. Did you hear what I said? Get over that fast because God does not owe you an answer. Oh, it got quiet right there. Especially on this side, let me, you guys get the second chance. God does not owe you an answer. You realize that? Who are you and who am I to ask God that he has to give me an explanation for something? Have you, have, any, how many of you here are parents? Lots of parents. Trick question, how many of us are kids? See, not all of you raised your hands. You're still kids. I don't care how old you are. You're a kid. You have parents. who are parents and kids. How many parents have ever said this and how many kids have ever heard this? Because I told you so. Hello? We like to say that, don't we? Why? 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 Because I told you so. But we don't like it when God tells us. Because God tells us sometimes, because I said so. Or sometimes he doesn't say anything. And he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us an answer. And listen, someone's going to get this. The faster you realize that, the faster you're going to grow, the better life you're going to have, the quicker you're going to get out of the valley you're in. Stop asking the questions, why? Because God doesn't owe you an answer. And let me, let me go a little further. Can I go a little further than that? Not only does not God owe you a quick answer, you don't want to know his answer. You don't want to know his answer. You don't. Because you know why? If he told you, you wouldn't understand. How can we even try to be on the same thinking plan as God? See, the quicker we get to the place we realize that we're not God, the faster we're going to be in good, hands with, with good standing with God. Because the Bible says in Isaiah that his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. Who of us could today could reach up and touch God? I'm not talking about the personal relationship. I'm talking about you know, physically and powerfully. How could any of us reach God? None of us can. So why do we try? Why can't we just get to a place where we go, you know what, God? You're God, and I'm not. And I'm gonna, This is you gave me this life, and I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to live unto you, and I'm going to serve you. This is what Job, this is, what Job is doing. He's, he's, he's shaving his head, he's tearing his wool, but then, then he falls to the ground and worships. How many would like to get to a place where you worship God again in the same, in the storm, as when everything's going good? That's the ultimate goal. And then it says, watch this, and he said these words. This is where we all need to get. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, we like it when God gives, but we don't like it when God takes. But can, can, can God do both? Yes, because He's God. And watch this last part. And all this Job did, not. in all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Now, homework is... Read the whole chapter, the whole book of Job. Okay, that's chapter 1 all the way to 42. And in in the end, you can see what happens. But here's what I want to teach you this morning. Here's what I want to help us with how I can help you. In life, you're going to have valleys and you're going to have mountains. Mountains and valleys. Ups and downs. You're going to have them. You don't have to stay in the valley. I have learned, and I'm not saying I'm perfect on this. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you from experience. I have learned. The faster that I say, God, what are we doing here? What's the lesson? What are you trying to teach me? How can I glorify your name? The faster I do that, the faster I get out of the valley and get back up on the mountaintops. But maybe you know somebody like this. Some people like to live. Maybe they don't like to, but they do. Maybe they do. They like to live in the valley. They live there. I know some Israelites that like to live in the valley. They went into the wilderness for 40 years. And they stayed there because they were hard-headed. Don't be hard-headed. Be, be, be teachable and learn from this Bible. One thing that I've learned, and I, and I learn it more as I'm preaching, is God left this word for us to learn from it. Why should I have to go through the same things Job went through? Why am I saying this? Because what's going to happen is you're going to see, and as you read later, that Job has the right attitude right there and he has the right attitude at the end, but he gets a bad attitude in the middle because people come around and start speaking to him and, and accusing him. And he entertains things and he wastes 40 chapters of his life. I, would, I don't want to waste 40 chapters. He could have, it could have been four chapters. It could have been Job chapter 4. But it was 10, 20, and 30 because he's sitting there entertaining what, you know what, you need to stop doing? Listening to everybody else around you. Everybody else wants to fix your situation. How about letting God fix your situation? Amen. Let God do a much better job. If they come to you and they start telling you, hey, you should do this, you should do that, say, thank you for that. I appreciate that. But me and God got a plan. Me and God's working this out. How many are still here? Let me finish here. Job chapter 1. Go back to the verse verse 1. Now watch this. We saw the loss. But why did this happen? This is gonna mess some people up in a good way. Why did Job lose all that? There was a man in the land of Uz. Or maybe it's Uz. I don't know. Texas sounds more like Uz. Which sounds more Texan? Uz or Uz? Uz. Whose name was Job. Just kidding. He needed a job. And Job, that man was, watch this, blameless and upright. Now wait a minute, that don't make sense. We just read all those verses of all the bad things that happened to him, but he's blameless and upright. I thought thought bad things happened when people did something wrong. I thought God tested people when when they were making mistakes. He's blameless and upright. It's going to change how you look at things. One who feared God. If you've got your Bible and you underline or you're taking notes, I want you to make that clear. One who feared God and shunned evil. How do I make it for God? What's the most important thing I can do? Fear God, shun evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him, and his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 uh, Yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. Blessed. So why did he lose all that stuff? And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. And the, this is in verse 6. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Where do you come from? Satan said... From going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it, the Lord said to Satan. Church, Satan is the accuser of you. Satan is the bigger or small sister or brother who tells tattletales. Right? He's the tattletale. God, did you see this? God, did you see that? Did you see what they're doing? He's a tattletale. He's a, the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. And on top of that, he's the father of all lies. So he goes to the presence of God, he goes before him, and he says, I'm, this is what I'm doing, I'm going back and forth. Now watch what God does, this is crazy. He says, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him on the earth, an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Is God bragging on you this morning? I want God to brag on me. Some of you are like, no, I don't know. The bragging part seems to get you in trouble. Again, if God brings the trouble, God brings the out. If we don't have God involved, we're going to get in trouble anyways with no out. When God is my partner, I'm God's partner, I'm God's uh, servant, and I'm letting him be my Lord of my life, and I go through troubles, he will get me out. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember? Remember? They were, in that, they were going to go into that fiery furnace, and Jesus went in there with them. So the struggles and the trials and the tribulations that we're going through, we're going to have them regardless, but I'd rather get, take God with me and live my life in such a way that God brags on me. So he's bragging on Job. He says, have you considered my servant Job, all this stuff he does? Now watch, let's begin to finish. He says, but Satan says, yeah, but Job doesn't fear God, doesn't fear God for nothing. You, you've made a hedge around him. And his household and and around all that he has on every side, you've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased. But he says, if you stretch your hand out and touch all that he has, he'll surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Just don't lay a hand on his person. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then later on, if you read on later, not today, this moment, but later on you read that he comes back again. He says, yeah, but if you touch his physical body, and yeah, and he keeps going to where Job ends up in a pile of ashes with the smoke settling behind him from his house with no cattle, no money, no kids, and boils on his body, scraping him off with pottery. That's why I always say nobody has had a day like Job. You think you're in a, if you're in a pity party, go read Job and your life is gonna be peachy. And it's gonna be even more peachy when you have the perspective that God is in control, even if it seems bad. Because God is gonna take what the enemy meant for evil, and he's gonna turn it for good. We need to see our lives as the testimony on the screen, as the church in Tanzania, as the complete family with three kids, right now where the, where the family's not together, where there's bickering and fighting, where there's struggle and no finances, where there's sickness and different problems, we need to see the end result like God does. And embrace struggle because God tells us to. Amen? How many are getting something? Last thing, you can come out of the valley faster if you don't complain and have the right attitude. Faster, fast, get out, get back on the mountaintop. The valley's going to come again. Right now, in this place, right now, all of us, every single one of us, not one exempt, are either coming out of a battle, currently in a battle, or about to go into a battle. Do you realize that? That might be news to some of you. Some of you are in a battle right now. You're in a battle right now for something some of you might just have just come out and be like, I got the victory over that. And man, we won. And yes, God. And now you got to brace yourself for the next one. You're not looking for it. You're not, you're not going, God, I, give me trouble. Give me trouble. God, I love it. It's not that. It's not that. That's, that's dumb. It's I understand trouble's coming. Struggle's coming. A test is coming. So I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I'm going to brace myself for it. And I'm going to look for the opportunity to give God the glory. Amen? Write this down. Trials should not surprise us. Trials should not surprise us. Or cause us to doubt God's faithfulness, church. God is good. Matter of fact, God is great. He's great. He's an amazing God. He's a loving God. He's a perfect God. Don't allow things that you see that don't make sense to take away from who God is. God is great. Or, don't give God the, the, the blame if you won't give him the credit. Did you hear me? We're so good at blaming God. Why does God let this happen? Why does God let, but then we don't give him the glory when he deserves it. So you got to do both. Watch this last verse. Job 42. This is the end now. And, and you and I can choose if we want to have a few chapters in Job or we want to have a bunch. That's our choice. How many get that? Can't control what happens to us. We just can control how we react. You were dealt a a, a certain life that you live. How many know you can't fix where you were born? Can't fix it. Can't fix where, when, how, to who? How many people would love to change their family? (laughs) I saw some hands like... right? can't. Your family is your family. It's the one God gave you. But you get to choose this family. And the church family becomes sometimes a better family. A lot of times a better family. Because we realize we're all messed up. Our family just don't want to admit it. Verse Verse 10 of chapter 42, watch this. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. Twice as much. How many know he had a lot of loss? But he got back twice what he had lost because God's a good God. And he goes on there to talk about Uh, Brothers and sisters coming around and consoling him and he gets donkeys and camels and all these things back and he ends his life that way. One part two that happened church is at one point his wife came and said to him, curse God and die. When everybody else, listen, this is the kind of life I want to live. When everybody else is telling me, man, stop believing in God, I'm going to say that makes me want to believe God more. As things get crazier and crazier in this world that we live in right now, God is looking for some men and some women who will say, I don't care what's going on. I don't care about a vaccine or a COVID or wars or this or that. My God is God, and he's on the throne, and he's in control, and he's a great God. He's faithful, and I trust him. And Job actually said, church, though, in chapter 13, though you slay me. I will trust you. Why do we trust people so much, but we can't trust God? Put your trust this morning in a God who cannot lie, in a God who cannot fail, in a God who cannot do anything that's going to hurt you. He's perfect. All He wants us, us to do is express faith. And when we express faith, it pleases Him, makes Him happy. Every test in our life, watch this, makes us bitter or better. Period. Every problem comes to break us or make us. What's it doing? Is it breaking me or is it making me? The choice is ours whether we become the victim or the victor. Are you a victim today or are you a victor? I know some of your testimonies. I know some of the things you've been through. I know your past. I know the pains. And you are what keeps me going. Every time I see you come to church, and I see you keep serving God, and I hope the way I live makes you want to serve God. And iron sharpens iron. And we encourage each other. And we say, listen, this is the last thing I want to say. We need to get to a place. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this too. What do you say to that sister, what do you say? What words do you say to that sister? Or do you just be there? We need to stop trying to fix things and just be there for each other. I don't know the answer. I don't know what God's gonna do, but God's gonna do something. I don't know how God's gonna do it, but God's in control. I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but it's it's going to bring glory to God. That's the good answer. I don't understand everything that's going on, but God does, and He knows better than I do. Amen? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, all across this place. The presence of the Lord is touching our hearts this morning. He's real. He's here. He wants us to know how much He loves us. He wants us to know how much of a plan He has for us. He wants us to know that the, the he who God uses greatly he allows to go through things to test us how many in this place this morning don't know Jesus Christ as your lord and savior and peace comforter helper restorer redeemer that's who he is waymaker miracle worker promise keeper. That's who He is. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He shed His blood for you. He paid a price for you that He did not have to pay. He came from heaven and left His glory and died for you on the cross of pain and suffering and shame and sin. And all He wants you to do is accept that and believe that and walk in that. You don't have to understand everything. Not everything's going to make sense, but let me tell you what makes sense. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ came and died for the ungodly. Do you realize this morning as I'm talking to you that God himself walked in to the spiritual courtroom at your sentencing and said, I'll take their place. As the gavel was coming down on your sin, because we're all sinners, and the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God, as that gavel was coming down, Jesus stepped in and said, I'll take his place. I'll take her place. Put their sin on me. And he said, you can go free. And he let us go free. Now, what are you doing with that salvation? Are you going to accept it, or are you going to reject it? It's your choice. It's there. It happened 2,000 years ago. We're going to celebrate it next week. Jesus died on the cross, and then He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. Everybody in this place, unless the rapture happens, is going to die. Every one of us are going to breathe the last breath. You cannot get away from death. But where you spend eternity is your choice. Are you going to let the life situations that have happened in you make you bitter and make you miss heaven? Or are you going to say, God, I don't understand it all, but you're a big God, and I understand your love, and I'm going to accept you today, and I'm going to let you take control of my life, and I'm going to let you make lemonade out of my lemons. How many in this place, I believe hearts are here that need to be rendered to God, surrender to God. How many could say, Pastor, you are talking to me today. If I was to pass into eternity today today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. The Bible simply says, and very clearly says, we can know. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes under the Father except through me. He did not say church membership. He said, Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus Christ is the way. He's the door. Anyone who calls on my name shall be saved. Today, you can know if you passed into eternity. I don't have any fear of where I'm going to go. I didn't say I don't have fear of dying. Every person has a fear of how they're going to die. But I'm not afraid of where I'm going because I know Jesus paid the price for my life. How many of his heads are bowed and eyes are closed could lift their hands and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to leave this place today knowing that I am saved and forgiven and redeemed and restored. Would you just put your hand up? put it right back down all over this place I see your hand how many more I see your hand how many more honest hearts all across this place I'm going to wait just a moment if you leave this place this morning and someday you pass into eternity you're not going to be able to blame me because I've presented gospel to you I've presented the good news church doesn't save you A church membership doesn't save you. Holding a Bible in your hand doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves you. The Bible says in Romans, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, I am saved. And then he says in 1 John, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. God's got a beautiful plan for you. Those people that you saw on the screen today could not get delivered from drugs or alcohol or be serving God the way they are if they wouldn't have said, Jesus, today's the day that I stop running. Today's the day I stop blaming you. Today's the day I accept your sovereignty in my life. How many more could lift their hand and say, I need need you to pray for me. You're talking to me this morning all across this place. Never May Jesus Christ Lord of your life. I want to ask one more thing. Maybe you're here and you at some point in your life said that prayer. And you meant it when you said it. But since that day to today, you've not been living for the Lord. Life has come in and you've made bad choices and you've done things that don't please God and, and you're struggling and maybe even your faith is wavering today. You want to say, Lord, I want to rededicate. I want to renew my vows And I want to get my life back in order with God. How many could say that's me? Just lift your hand up and put it back down. Right all all over this place. I see your hands. I see your hands. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. God is real. God is good. God loves you. He has a purpose for you and a plan for you. God wants to tear that root of bitterness up out of you and throw it away. And if you don't have a root, he wants to get rid of the bitterness before the root comes. Don't be like Job and waste those 40 chapters. Just say, Lord, today I'm going to stop questioning you. I'm going to stop wondering, and I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to believe you at your word. If you raise your hand quickly, I want to make this very clear statement. We do this on purpose. The reason we do this is because the Bible says clearly that when we all stand before God, and by the way, every one of us is going to stand before God, every one of us. Everyone who's ever lived is going to stand with the spotlight on them, by themselves before God. And we're going to have to give an account for our lives. And like we watched that video, you're going to watch your entire life pass before you on that screen. And then God's going to say, what do you have to say for yourself? And a bunch of people are going to say, well, I was a good person and I gave to charity and I went and visited the poor and I helped the old lady across the street and I tried not to lie and And you're gonna say all this stuff and then God's gonna say are you done and wherever we're done he'll say Jesus is his name in the book of life and Jesus is gonna open the book and if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ Jesus is going to say father his name is not here her name is not here and God is going to say Depart from me, doer of iniquity, I know you not. And the Bible says you'll be cast into the lake of fire. You can believe that if you want or not. You could say, you know what, I don't believe that. Well, you're going to wake up to a hell of a surprise when you wake up in hell. Hell of a surprise. And then it'll be too late. Because the Bible says we have to seek God while he may be found. And that's today. The Bible says today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Life is like a vapor. You cannot put it off till another day. So I'm just asking you to think about this. What are you going to say to God? Because I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say one word, Jesus. Jesus is my defense. And my name is going to be in that book because I believe he died on the cross for my sins. So what he said is, if on that day, if you have confessed me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you've denied me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So if you have not done that public profession of your faith, right now is your moment. Some of you raised your hands. Some of you hadn't, but you need to do it. You need to step out of your seat. I'm gonna wait just a few seconds and you need to come make a public confession that I believe Jesus Christ is Lord of of all and He's the Savior. Just step out quickly. If you've never done that, some of you raise your hands, come. First Town Salvation, or you're rededicating your life. I can't make you come. I saw hands go up. I'm gonna wait just a moment. Just step out and make a public profession. I want everybody to know that I'm confessing Jesus right now as Lord and Savior. How many more? Just come stand right here. I want everybody to know Jesus is Lord. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. How many more? How many more? You're not ready yet? Come on. Amen. Our baptizees are going to begin to go ahead to their... To get ready but I want I want you to I want you to think about this if you stood before God right now would he would he confess you as knowing you amen would he let's give a hand to her amen praise God some of you are watching online right now and we're gonna go offline in a minute I want you to understand something I said it before I'll say it again we, we don't know if it's our last service Last year at this time, we had to shut down. We don't know if we're going to ever, we're never promised anymore, even to be able to have church. Not even that. You're not promised tomorrow. You know what we're so good at? I'm not ready. I, I can't come to God. I've got too many problems in my life. I've got too many sins in my life. I've got too many things I've got to get right. You'll never be right. You'll never be good enough. Jesus says, come to me as you are. Did you know that when you catch a fish to eat it, and you have to clean it to eat it, did you know you have to catch it before you can clean it? You can't clean it till you catch it. So God can't clean you up till he catches you. Let him catch you today. Right now I'm casting a net. God's casting a net of salvation. Let him catch you. Let him, let him catch you, and then, then he'll clean you up. He's gonna grab you out of that net. And then He'll clean you up and make you who He wants you to be. Amen? If we had church today for these three people, it's worth it. You're worth it. You're worth everything we do to say these prayers, to make these decisions. Amen? We're going to go offline in just a minute, and we're going to have an awesome celebration. But we're also going to have a few minutes to let this message uh, set into our hearts. But let's pray all together. Y'all repeat after me. And let's just make this from our heart. And we're just simply saying, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that I am lost without you. Amen? Just repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and your grace. I don't deserve it. But I understand through your word I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. And I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven and cleansed and changed. I've messed up my life by myself. Today I give you control, full control. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came down from heaven, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death on the cross, and you shed your blood for my sins to be forgiven. And then you didn't stay dead, you rose from the dead came out of a grave so that I could have eternal life. And as you have died and risen, I die now and I will rise again just like you. Please, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins and write my name in the Lamb's book of life as I confess you before man. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise, amen. As we go offline this morning,